the Strong Life Coach podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by attorney Nadia Maldonado. Nadia, welcome to the show. Hey, <laughs> thank you for having me. All right. Well, I'm excited to have a conversation with you. For the, for the podcast listeners, I want you to know, um, in the first 22 minutes of knowing Nadia, she has been a light. She's, she's probably given me eight um, eight affirmations of encouragement before we even started recording. So I'm excited for you all to get to know her. Let me tell you all a little bit about Nadia. Nadia Maldonado is a personal injury attorney and the principal attorney at the Maldonado Law Firm, PLLC, that she founded in 2015 in Washington, D.C. She is licensed to practice law in D.C. and Maryland, and her practice area is focused on protecting the rights of those who have been injured in accidents such as Uber or Lyft accidents, pedestrian, bike, scooter, um, mopped accidents, and similar scenarios. Moped accidents. Moped, moped. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for the clarification. Moped, yes. Uh, thank you for that. Um, she is known as the ride share attorney and she has the Instagram and TikTok handle to prove it. And it's at rideshare underscore attorney. All right, Nadia, um, tell me what inspired you to become an attorney? Um, so I'm, I'm from the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. And, um, you know, it's, it's an impoverished area. And um, it, it kind of you know, it, it leaves you wanting more sometimes. So when I was a child, I would watch uh, different shows on TV and I'm, you know, you're talking about the nineties. Uh, so we had shows um, where female attorneys, let's say uh, Mrs. Huxtable uh, <laughs> was on TV and I'd watch her and I, I, I would see this, you know, ideal life that she was living in the show and this sure. empowered personality that she had. And it was, in my mind, I thought I want that. And um, that was, you know, that was kind of one of my inspirations later on as I, as I grew a little bit older. Um, <clears throat> some of the, you know, other shows like Ally McBeal showed uh, more of a harebrained attorney, but also with like a kind of a, um, an exciting life. And I, again, I thought, yeah, this is an affirmation. I want that. So I kind of uh, took whatever steps I needed to take to get myself there. Yes. You know why I, lo I love that detail that you provided? Because of all the bad things that come from te television, of all the, 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 the wrong things and the twisted things that are shown, <laughs> I love good stories like yours where it's like, you know, I saw somebody who was a professional, Mrs. Huxtabee or an Ally McBeal. Um, mm -hmm. You saw their, them in their profession. You said, I want that for me. <laughs> now, uh, to tell me, um, did you express, you know, your desire to be an attorney to your family and how did they respond early on? Tell me more, a little bit more about that. I feel like they, I don't know if they picked up on it themselves or, you know, they, they said I liked to argue. <laughs> I've always been very opinionated and I was like the kid in class that would talk a lot. Um, I always got very good grades, but I had opinions and I wanted to share them. And I guess, you know, at, at all costs. <laughs> and so, they were encouraging. They were encouraging to those personality like traits that I had. Um, 
whenever there was a parent teacher conference, like on an open house or something like that. Uh, and the teacher would say that I talked a lot. My mom would say, are her grades suffering because of it? And when they'd say no, then, you know, that was kind of like, all right, then <laughs> <laughs> problem's not, it's, it doesn't, it's not a big problem. Um, mm. yeah, my, my parents always kind of just cheered me on and pushed me forward. I love it. I love it. You know, um, I, I love the, the concept of talking a lot. Um, <laughs> number one, I'm a podcast host. I'm a speaker. So talking a lot is kind of my thing. But I remember similar, similar way, like getting in trouble in school for, for talking too much. Like, oh, like talking, you know, he's talking again. No, he's talking again and move his seat to some, some other people who he's not as close, but I start talking to them as well. But this idea that sometimes we, um, I think it could be easy to look at a situation as problematic as opposed to a calling over your life that you, it, it wasn't that your grades suffer, your grades were great, mm -hmm. but, and you love to communicate. And then the beauty of being able to be in an industry where you're able to do both, you're able mm -hmm. to excel in being excellent from a technical paperwork law perspective, but mm -hmm. then you're also able to excel and continuing to have a career that involves you communicating on an ongoing basis. I, I love hearing that. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's, it's kind of funny that you can uh, relate in the sense that they would move me to another place yeah. <laughs> where I'm not chatting away or whatnot. And yes, communication skills are very important when you're an attorney. That is your main, your main skill. You and your client need to be on the same page. <laughs> yes. Yes. I remember even in college, I was like, the professors asked me to move. I'm like, I'm an adult now. Can you still move me? I mean, I, I want to be respectful, <laughs> but, um, but yes, yes, yes. I, I relate 100% to being moved by the person in charge of the classroom. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what do you enjoy most about being an attorney? The thing I enjoy most about being a, an attorney is the interesting nature of the job. And number two would be the challenge. Um, I'm like, bring it on the harder the challenge. Like I'm, I'm up for it. It keeps me occupied. It keeps my mind sharp. It keeps it busy. Um, and when you overcome it, you, you feel like you're on top of the world. <laughs> so that's like, yeah, that's, that's my favorite part. And the, the interesting part is that, you know, um, people's lives are very, they're, they're all over the place. And so you can get all sorts of different cases that come in the door. And I like that my job is never boring. <laughs> that's, mm. that's important to me. Yes. Um, I, I think that's that notion right there. Um, variety. I think there's the, 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 the concept that, that speaks to me is that there's vibrance in what you do in the variety in what you do. I talked to a number of professionals um, and I worked in a profession for five years or seven years um, in, a, in a call center environment where, um, you know, people Felt like they were doing the same thing all day. They were taking payments or, or adding insurance coverage or explaining what happened on the policy. But, but being in the environment where they were like, they felt enslaved, banging their head on the wall because they were doing the same thing, bored out of their minds every single day. Um, in contrast to what you described, um, the, the variety you get as, a, as never having a boring case or never having a boring day. I, I love that, that, that that's a part of your career and your calling. Yeah, I used to work at a call center too. <laughs> Back when I was in college um, in South Texas, I, I worked at a call center and yes, it can be very monotonous. Uh, 
yes. very tedious every call. It's like the same thing. And so uh, my new profession definitely adds a lot of variety uh, every every step of the way. <laughs> mm. Now, and let me, let me ask, ask you about one detail about your journey with, in becoming an attorney. So um, when you finished law school, when you finished, when you, when you got the, when you passed the bar, so tell me what, the, what was that like? What was like for you? What was like for your family? I, that's a, oh, it's always a detail I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by in the, in the attorney journey. Well, I feel like my family was proud of me and I, to them, I was an attorney the moment I, <laughs> I got accepted to law school I hadn't even begun and they're like Mija my daughter you know esa abogada or she's an attorney <laughs> I'm like dad not yet <laughs> not yet you know um I'll hopefully I, I will be in three years uh but they've been proud of me since the moment that I got accepted until I mean they've been proud of me just in general but the moment I accepted I got accepted into law school I was the family attorney at that point um mm. But the moment I passed the bar, you know, I, I felt like they just expect expected it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so they, they were there to support me. And, you know, I think, let me think when I passed the bar in DC, my mom came, my mom and one of my aunts mm -hmm. came to my swearing in ceremony. So, and then I, when I, I passed in, in Maryland, I think I just went by myself because it was like the, the next year and I had already passed like the big one the first time. Um, the, or the first time that I passed it, I had already, it was the, the, the bigger like event, I guess. <laughs> sure, sure. Now, so <laughs> for the parents listening now, I want them to be able to pay attention to what, what you have to say on this next question, because when people think about an, an attorney and they think about, wait, what did their parents do? Well, you know, what did her parents do to help her on this journey? Now, what I heard from you is they were proud of you, no matter what you did. It is very similar to my, my upbringing, which was my mom. I mean, she, she, she would literally tell me, if you became a drug dealer, I would love you the same, you know, like very much like yeah. unconditional. Um, but what would you say to the parents out there? They want like they, they would love their children to um, attain um, a prestigious role in the community or in society, like like an attorney. What what advice would you give to the parents out there listening? Um, so my I, I want to say something like positive reinforcement and maybe don't don't pressure your child so much. Um, mm -hmm. My dad and my mom both had different approaches. <laughs> they were sure. both very proud of me. My my dad was just proud of me for whatever I did, kind of like like your mom. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was no pressure coming from him. Uh, he was he was there for every. Uh, award for every in, in high school I was in cross country so he'd, he'd go to my meets and, and cheer me on so it didn't matter whether it was athletic or academic. Um, my mom had always had a big emphasis on school. Um, you know she, her main thing was one you respect the teachers they've already earned their degree. <laughs> they don't need you in your class you need them so mm -hmm. it was it was very important. Uh, she was a teacher's aide so she she worked with students all day long and knew that, you know, she wanted me to be respectful and for me to stay in line. And, um, but I never felt like pressured to do, you know, that you need to get A's or anything like that. If anything, I, I'm the one who put pressure on myself. And it was when you get positive reinforcement where people are, are uh, proud of you and things like that, that's, I think what I, what I sought 
as a child that helped me want to do better the next time or continue to get really good grades or something, you know, mm-hmm. along those yes, lines. yes, yes. And by the way, um, that positive reinforcement component that you describe, um, you uh, model that like a champion. Again, I mentioned to the podcast listeners, um, again, you, you just start, you just came on to the, um, uh, to connect with me and you were just pouring out the compliments. So I'm, I'm grateful for your, your story is so interesting. I mean, if people check out your webpage, uh, you have a very lengthy bio, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very lengthy bio, but it kind of sucks you in because of all the details that you put in there. Mm. And so, yeah, I was excited to meet you. <laughs> all right. And, and for the podcast listeners, they don't know this, but um, I, I already, this is the first time I've probably ever done this. I invited Nadia back for a second episode before we ever started recording our first episode, <laughs> but, but um, we, we might have a little treat in, in to have her as a guest host. Um, first time me being interviewed by an attorney. So I, I, I'm going to strive not to be intimidated, you know. Um, I'll try not to be too tough. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, now let, let's talk about um, this detail about your journey. So the ride share attorney, this is fascinating. I've never had a, a guest, an attorney guest, who's had this focus on accidents such as, again, related to Uber or Lyft, pedestrian, bike, scooter, moped not mopped um and similar scenarios talk to me how did you decide to focus on this on this niche so um i live in washington dc and i don't own a car and i used okay i owned a car when i got there because i'm from texas and in texas you absolutely need a car when i moved to dc i quickly realized that a car was more of a hassle than anything else you have to keep up with insurance the like maintenance of the car parking tickets. Uh, there's nowhere to park. You live in a city. So I, you know, I was just like, I can get from point A to point B, either walking, taking a bus, taking the Metro, a taxi, and now Ubers and Lyfts. Taxis have, are pretty much, you know, uh, they're, they're non-existent at this point. There's a couple here and there, but what has taken over in that market is Uber and Lyft. So, Um, I was working uh, straight out of law school. I was working at a personal injury law firm and um, we didn't, that was like back in 2010 or so. So Uber and Lyft were not on the scene just yet, but that's where I I got my personal injury background. And um, as soon as like Uber and Lyft kind of started to uh, develop, I thought, I wonder what the laws are, what the consequences are when you get in an accident when you're in an Uber or Lyft, mm-hmm. it's completely, I want it's, there's a lot of similarities to a regular auto accident, but there are a lot of differences. Number one, you're a passenger. Um, it, so things that kind of, that I'm trained to think about is like, who, who owns the policy? Is it the company? Is it the driver? Is the driver an employee or the independent contractor? All these things. So I was like, so I was, I was um, like itching to get one of those cases and I finally got one and it kind of snowballed from there. I, I, I just felt like, you know, it was a case that I could handle. And mm-hmm. since then, I, I think my first case was probably maybe a couple years ago or for particularly for Uber and Lyft. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it snowballed from there. And so now I handle, you know, whether it's a driver, uh, an Uber or Lyft driver or whether it's a passenger and, um, 
yeah, there's a, a lot of people that use Uber and Lyft drive Uber and Lyfts in DC. And so it's a good place to kind of have a niche market. Basically. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Now, um, I have to ask this question that you could totally pass on it. If it wasn't part of our, our, our preparation. <laughs> Okay. Now, what is one maybe fascinating story? I know you, you'll leave out names and all of that, but what was one fascinating experience you've had with um, with this, again, unique n- niche um, and, and, mm-hmm. and serving, serving the people? What's, what's, what's one example of a, maybe a fascinating story? My first case, yeah, my first case was one of the um, more unique ones. Uh, it, it was actually, so it, the my client was an attorney <laughs> and he was a passenger in an, in an Uber and the Uber got um, T-boned by a lift. And so I was like, I mean, thank God he was, he, he was injured, but thank God he was okay. And there was no major, major or serious uh, injuries. And um, so I represented him and I was like, oh my God, this accident <laughs> checks off all the boxes it has an uber um sorry it's with an uber and a lyft i'm gonna find out about both companies and how the you know to find out the differences between the between uh a regular auto accident and a an uber and lyft accident and i i was i was doing a case that had both an uber and a lyft in it so i was stoked (laughs) 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 my client uh has left me since then he's left me excellent reviews. And I'm grateful because to get a review from another attorney who was my client uh, is just, it doesn't get any better than that. And so we were both very happy with the outcome of that case. Yes. Okay. Um, Great experience. Uber and a Lyft and with an attorney who has gone on to to serve and, and, uh, and give you the endorsements. I, I love to hear that. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, now, so again, another uh, question about what you do. So with the, the, the times even changing, right? Like even, you know, you know um, the notion of like the Tesla, you know, the, uh, the, um, the autonomous driver. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, do you foresee you getting involved also like in that, in that as well? Absolutely. (laughs) That's an unequivocal yes. Um, So yeah, with uh, self-driving cars, that is something that I will have to absolutely research. It will not be um, negligence on the part of the driver anymore. It's going to be, it would, I would assume be negligence on the part of the the person who makes the car or the company that makes the car. Uh, so it would almost be a products liability case, which is still in the negligence realm, and which is what I like the area that I that I work in. Um, but I think we're many, many years away from that. I'm mm. going to say like 10 years away from it. I, mm. I don't think I don't foresee um, automatic uh, or automated cars kind of driving sure. down our freeways anytime soon but mm-hmm. that the, the moment that starts I will absolutely be on top of that <laughs> I love it I love it very good very good now now what, what has been one challenge that you faced as an attorney and have overcome um I would say law school was my biggest challenge um yeah, law school was my biggest challenge. It was such a new environment. Again, I'm from the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. This is a border town. 
Uh, it's one of the poorest cities in the United States. And uh, there's, a, there's, there's a different culture uh, down there. W one that I don't know if it prepared me sufficiently um, for law school in a big city. Uh, when I arrived or I, st I started law school at the age of 23. Yeah, at the age of 23, um, just fresh out of college. <laughs> I wanna say I was like a baby at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was really intimidated. Um, I was really intimidated by everything, by the big city, by some of my classmates who were older, they had waited to go to law school. So I'm going you know, to law school, let's say some, some people were, in there, and I know 30s is not old, but right, a, right. I'm 37 now, but to a 23 year old, let's say someone who's in their mid 30s or in their 40s or something like that, you're intimidated by them, you're intimidated by the professors. Those were big obstacles, and um, um, I, I was able to overcome them barely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think your question was, what, what are some obstacles that, that I've faced? And I want to yes. say that law school was one of my bigger obstacles. They're supposed to, what I hear is that they're supposed to tear you down and then build you back up as like a new attorney ready to go out into the world and fight and represent and whatnot. <laughs> so I got the tearing down process. Mm. <laughs> I don't know if I got built back up entirely the way that uh, I was supposed to. So mm. I had a lot of work to do uh, a lot of maturing, a lot of confidence building that I needed that happened after law school for me. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> um, wh what do you think, like, so I, I love you talking about confidence building. <laughs> um, and I think that's universally relevant, right? Um, and it's, and I, I know it's relevant because, again, I, I work as a coach and I listen to people on an ongoing basis. Um, and what do you think has been, if you could offer one tip about confidence building, what, what would you say to somebody, again, if, whether that's an attorney or even somebody even outside attorney, what's one thing that helped you build that, your confidence up? Because clearly if you, if, you, if you, you know, what you do as, as an attorney and clearly even, even the fact that you would even be a guest on my podcast, to me, it always speaks to someone who's confident. They're willing to be in the spotlight. So, so what has helped you to build up your, your confidence? That's such a good question. I feel like it's been a process. It is not something that you, that happens overnight or, or I, I almost want to say something that it doesn't happen if someone tells you like, you need to be more confident. I felt <laughs> like my, my, my tax professor, I, I, um, I was in the tax legal clinic where you help uh, low income taxpayers and you're doing it as a student attorney. I'm a hands-on type of work, uh, like learner. And so that was the best experience for me. Uh, but I was very green. Again, I'm like 24 years old and, you know, representing people. And uh, I think my, my professor would bring me in uh, to his office for, I guess, you know, I would, like for updates on the cases and it was a weekly thing and I'd be all nervous in his office like oh my god I hope I'm doing the right thing and I'd have my file there and I wanted to read from my my page and he's like just talk to me like <laughs> just talk to me you need to be more confident and I'm like you don't get that by someone just screaming <laughs> be more confident in your face I'm like if anything I'm I get more you know scared. right 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 so it, it's 
it's been a process. And I, I want to say, um, the more you practice, the more confident you become, and the more you put yourself out there as yourself, the more that you become comfortable in who you are. Mm. Um, and that shines. That's something that no one can, can take from you. I feel like it radiates from the inside out. Mm. <laughs> um, there is that little mantra, fake it till you make it. And I think that's like a half truth because you can fake it till you make it because it's one of those like um, uh, practice makes perfect. And so that's that's pretty much it. I don't think there's like a big secret there. <laughs> yes, I, mean, I, I think you dropped so many um, principles on us. I think we could we can use um, from the proactive approach of action that mm -hmm. action drives out in my in my world in my experience. Um, just living it, doing it, as opposed to overthinking it. Overthinking for me, the fear like creeps up and try, wants to swallow me. Absolutely. But once I start living it, then I just notice a lot of the fear goes away. And then mm -hmm. I've do it often enough. Um, I mean, there's once upon a time where I was new at podcasting. I didn't know how it would go. Like, would I be able to be a great, you know, interviewer? Would I, would people even want to be interviewed? And, <laughs> and, um, but, but um, you do it often enough. But yeah, I have no fear like now. But in the beginning, you know, when you're starting to your point, but there's something about just um, living it. Just doing it. Be it. I'm a hands-on learner. So just get in there, get dirty. I want to say something like you, you have to fight for your opportunities or at least as a Latina, yes. <laughs> you have to fight for your opportunities. If you're listening out there, mm. do not be a wallflower. Do not stand, stand back and let other people do it. Even if you mess up a hundred times, you have to get in there. You're not, for me, that's the way that I learned. That's the way that I built confidence. And um, that's my, that's my advice. <laughs> yes. Fight for your opportunities. I think that's a quote right there. Another one you might mention was um, being okay with being you in mm -hmm. this idea of being genuine and which, which it didn't hit me until two days ago on Instagram. I was out, um, people, I had a friend who messaged me on LinkedIn and he asked me, Hey, uh, why do all the attorneys agree to, to let you interview them? And the truth is I had some like ideas, but I said, why don't I just ask them, you know? And, and I was just asking, I said, Hey, and I tagged him in a post on Instagram and asked, Hey, you can sh share why you agreed to let me interview, which you can answer as well in, in a second. Um, but uh, I, when I asked them, like, it was like 90% of them were like, mentioned the word genuine. I was like, hmm, like, I didn't set out to be genuine or like, and, and again, I think if you have to explain some, to somebody you're genuine, you, then that's probably a problem. But yeah. I just, right, not, oh, no, but I really am genuine. No, no, like, like just but being okay being you. I talk about it. You, you heard me say it before we started recording what I talk about. In the podcast, I think I'm probably going to stutter or stammer or say, um, and I'm going to be okay with, you know, whatever imperfections I have on the show. But anyway, um, uh, that's something that, that caught my attention from what you described in a confidence builder is to be genuine. Yeah. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, maybe to answer your question as well, why I um, agreed to to come on the podcast is because it's an opportunity that you presented to me and I'm not going to pass up any opportunity. You said, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And I said yes, within like problem, like less than a minute. I was like, yeah, absolutely. And and mm. um, it's an opportunity. Why am I going to turn that down? I mean, 
I, I had seen your profile on Instagram. I kind of saw what you, you were about. I read it um, before you asked me about the podcast. And so when you asked me, I was surprised, but I was absolutely ready to um, jump on an opportunity. You don't pass things up. <laughs> mm. I, I, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense, especially if you're a business owner, the more that you get yourself out there, yes. um, the more clients that it might bring in. And yes. um, yeah, it's not, I feel like your, your, your um, podcast is, a lot of them are tailored towards Latina attorneys, whether, I don't know if they're all solo. I don't think they're all solos, but they're all Latina attorneys. And that might be a, a niche market for you. Exactly right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was absolutely ready to jump on the, on the opportunity. Mm, yes. And that, I think that's a quote right there, you know, being ready to jump on opportunities as they come before you. Um, you know, when the opportunity is knock, get up and open that, is knocking, get up and open that door. Yeah. And if opportunity is not knocking yet, get prepared for when opportunity comes. Or go knock down the door and get <laughs> yes. yourself an opportunity. Some yes, of them will yes. come to you. You have to seek people out. They might not notice you. So you need to get, you need to, you need to, I mean, it depends on what, I guess, what type of law you want to do. But as yes. a small business owner, I have to, I have to fight for every opportunity and I'm happy, I'm happy to do it. Mm-hmm. So you talked about, um, you know, marketing, marketing and the opportunity for exposure on the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about that. What has been the best way for you to expand your client base as a law firm? Um, let me think. So when I first opened my law firm, I was taking uh, a lot of different type of cases, running myself ragged, uh, taking pretty much like a lot of different cases that were presented to me. Most of them were business cases, maybe some employment law. Um, yeah, employment law, business cases. And I, I was taking them. Uh, and uh, then, then I was kind of getting exhausting myself, working too much in too many different areas of law. So I realized I needed to narrow, narrow it down. I was also doing some immigration law. Mm -hmm. uh, these, these can be very taxing areas of law, depending on the, you know, immigration. You have a lot of, you or family-based immigration and um, things like asylum. They're heavy, um, emotionally taxing yes. cases. Sure. And so I was walking away very drained from the from those cases um these you know a lot of these immigrants will come to our country and they've 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 been tortured um and pretty much well yeah tortured and and abused in their own countries and they're just coming here to seek a better life and uh try to yeah try to create a better life for themselves and listening to their stories was uh you know, and, and having to advocate for them, it's, it's heavy, it's heavy. And it's, a, it's something that you take home with you every day. And so, um, so I had to kind of, I had to reassess, regroup, and I always kept coming back to personal injury, uh, which is a, it can, it's a, it can be a little bit of a, a lighter type of uh, representation. Mm -hmm. Most of my cases are soft tissue injuries. Every now and then I will have um, catastrophic cases where there's a death, a wrongful death. And that those are heavy. And you take your, your work home with you that day. You, you, you don't go home and you're like, oh, I'm just going to turn it off and just pretend like nothing happened. No, someone lost their family member. And um, that's not something to take lightly. So uh, the, the, the 
the area of law that I'm practicing now or that I'm focusing on now um, is, is a lot lighter. It's a lot more enjoyable and it's something that I'm kind of passionate about. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes. You know, um, I think there's so much power in what you just described with that uh, limited focus. And, yeah. and, and we, we, I think we understand this when it comes to big companies where they started, like McDonald's, Burger, fries mm-hmm. later on they added the chicken nuggets and the ice cream and the McCaffey or you know starbucks coffee mm-hmm. later on they added the teas and the <laughs> and the pastries and all of that which but like but to your point of limiting your areas of focus um to maximize growth you know mm-hmm. if you want to um if you want to flirt I, I talk about this this, this notion of if you want to flourish in growth you focus your growth. And, and I, I'm hearing that from you. You know, you had a number of things you were trying out, but also you were also gauging your energy and Absolutely. asking, and asking um, how does this affect my energy level at the end of the day? And for some of those heavier cases, um, you were just in tune with um, how that affects you. And I think there's such wisdom in that. Yeah, you have to, you know, I had to reassess because I'm like, my quality of life is suffering because I'm taking <clears throat> too many cases of, of across the board, uh, different areas of law and and each one of them require a lot of research, a lot of time uh, in order to represent your client adequately or to serve them adequately. And so I thought I'm one person right now. I need to scale it down. Personal injury is an area that is difficult to to get into. I'm competing with like multi-million dollar firms. Like, mm. uh, so it's not something that I could just hang out my shingle and say, Hey, I'm, I'm taking personal injury clients, um, or cases. Clients want to, to see that you have a good reputation and, in, in this particular area of law. Luckily over the past couple of years, um, I have built my reputation, uh, in terms of being a personal injury attorney. And now that is the majority of the client, the type of clients that I'm getting. And so now I can be a little more selective. I don't have to take all cases that come and knocking on my door. I've, and that's hard to do when you're a solo, you're like, should I, should I turn it down? And I've, I have, um, you know, I've, I've had to practice that to say no, (laughs) like, I would love to help you, but I'm, uh, not at this moment. Uh, I'm only doing personal injury cases. So. Mm, yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, and then to talk about social media a little bit as well. Like what, what's helped you? I know that, that's something a lot of new, uh, new law firms I talk to. Hey, you know, we, you know, when, I, when I'm asking them where they're starting or what they're doing, um, do you have any, again, since you've been practicing, at least now you, you opened your law firm in 2015, um, talk about what you're doing on social media and any advice you give to attorneys in that space. Like, of, about this. so with social media, um, so yes, the first, the first thing that I've done to get clients is word of mouth. Uh, and my reputation now is very, very helpful with my, mm-hmm. with the years of, of experience that I've gotten. Um, other thing is social media has been really helpful for me. Again, I'm competing with multi-million dollar firms that have commercials that they can spend thousands of dollars on a commercial. I, I don't have that type of marketing budget. Mm-hmm. Um, so social media has been <laughs> a lifesaver and I do feel like I'm competitive now with them. And, um, 
And so right now I have my Facebook page, uh, my Instagram page, and I just started a TikTok, which mm. um, has been a very, it's, it's one, it's been a really fun experience, but it's something different that I never expected to be doing uh, as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. uh, when you go to law school and you come out of law school you, and you get your first job at a firm or something, everything is very conservative. The whole experience, um, you want to portray professionalism, you want to, you want to portray pro professionalism, seriousness and things like that. However, TikTok is changing the game completely. Um, you have, I, I had to have like a, almost, I had to change my mindset <laughs> mm -hmm. to realize that to get a, um, a younger audience, maybe some, an audience that can grow with you, that you kind of have to loosen up and be, be a human versus just an attorney. And so mm -hmm. I feel like it's what I've been waiting for my entire career. <laughs> I mean, there were times when I would have short hair because it's more conservative and more professional. And I was so young, such a young attorney that I wanted to be taken seriously and not to look too young. So I'm like, let's put on some glasses. I, I have to wear glasses either way, but like mm -hmm. keep your hair short. When it came to your nail color, like something muted, all these weird like things that I would think a lot of women attorneys think about. Mm. Um, now with... TikTok, I feel like I get to let my personality shine and I'm, I'm all about it. I, mm -hmm. um, as a person, if you know me, I, I feel like I'm more playful. I can be silly. I enjoy those things. And mm -hmm. when it comes to a career or a, a legal career, you're not really allowed to do those things. TikTok sure. is definitely changing the game and, um, I'm putting fun and silly videos out there and I'm really enjoying it. So I hope, oh. yeah, I, and I, and they, they're, they're still pretty professional <laughs> right, right, right. So i'm hoping that you know my viewers uh can see that their attorney can be fun too mm. but they can still handle your case um professionally and like in other words i got you don't yes. worry i'm doing this i'm doing this tiktok video but i i know exactly what i'm doing mm. um I can provide like adequate representation. <laughs> yes. What I'm hearing from you is versatility, right? So you have the versatility to have a good time, to have fun, to enjoy yourself and the versatility to be able to be a, 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 a focused professional <laughs> um, as well. But I, I, I love, I, I love that. I love those notions. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm not like, I feel like that's where my personality shines in the sense that that is what makes me different or sets me apart from your, uh, let's say your stodgy, normal, like boring, older <laughs> gentleman type of attorney. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and maximize that advantage. I like it. Yes. Now, um, if someone was listening that can do any, if they're listening into this podcast and they're, they were, um, they were captivated by you and what you do and what you're about, and they can do anything to support you and your law firm. What would that be for them? Um, I would say if you, um, you know, I'm hustling, I'm hustling with my social media, <laughs> follow me, mm -hmm. follow me, like my posts, um, comment, uh, and if you, if you, um, if you encounter anyone who's been injured, whether it's a soft tissue injury or a more serious injury, 
or even if you know of any um, family members who have lost, lost who have lost loved ones uh, to some type of an accident, reach out. I provide free consultations. You can call me, text me, DM me, email me. I'm available. And if you follow me on social media, you have more access to me than the normal nine to five. Mm, yes, yes. And uh, your your area of practice is that Washington D.C. and Maryland? Correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. I love it. So let's do our part, podcast listeners, to follow like engage share tag people you know in the maryland washington dc area so that they can uh, have um, um a, 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 so we can do our part to support her and show our gratitude for her joining us on the podcast now let me, let me ask you um uh, maybe the, our second to last question is um who is the perfect referral partner for you like let's say somebody's listening they go oh i know a chiropractor or i know a i don't know um um, a personal trainer. Is there, is there somebody who's a perfect referral partner for you so they could go, oh, um, we have to introduce Nadia to this person. Who, who is that for you? So um, referrals is kind of a buzzword in our legal ethical world, legal ethics uh, frame. We we my the okay so the the legal ethics within DC and Maryland do do not allow me to sh like share fees with a non attorney mm -hmm. um so with referrals it can get a little tricky uh so what i would say is since i i speak spanish um and a lot of immigration attorneys have a lot of Spanish speaking clients. And if they don't take personal injury cases, I am your girl. My firm is here for you. I would love to link up with an immigration uh, law firm in the, the uh, DC or Maryland area. And you know, if they call me up to get to refer some of their past clients or present clients that have been involved in an auto accident or something along those lines, I'm ready to take them. I speak Spanish. My um, paralegal, she speaks Sp Spanish as well. Um, so we're ready to take those cases. And and I, I love, I guess I love uh, representing the marginalized community. And a lot of the times that is going to be the immigrant community. Uh, they don't know their rights. They get in an auto accident. They might be undocumented and they are terrified that ICE is going to come take them if they call the police. Uh, and they're, and the thing is, they might be one of, how can I put it, their paycheck, that they're, the money that they're earning, they might not be able to, to earn that if they're injured. Mm -hmm. So um, I need them to know that it doesn't matter if you're not documented in this country, you still have rights. Mm -hmm. You still have rights to file an insurance claim. Uh, there's no guarantee that the case is even going to go to court. If that is their, that's where they're nervous that they think they're going to have to go to court and ICE is going to come take them. The case nine, nine times out of 10 will never reach court. We mm. will settle it out of court. And if it does reach court, I, I am prepared to, to protect you and, and, you know, to protect you. Uh, so you don't have to be fearful of those uh, types of, of threats. Basically. Yes power to you power to the people i love it i love it well um i'm gonna do something i have no, I've never done on the podcast before because I, I one i already gave you a, a an invitation before we started recording that, that's also that was new but i'm gonna give you a third invitation for you to come back for you to talk a little bit more about you um because uh, we did because of the natural chemistry you and i had uh, today 
we didn't get to all the questions and I would love to be able to talk to you more about the journey and about your life and explore a little bit more about who you are. Um, but, but Nadia, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. It was a delight talking to you for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, podcast listeners, let's do our part to engage, follow, share her content. Um, again, her handle is rideshare underscore attorney. Let's do our part to show our gratitude to her on, on her social media platforms on Instagram and TikTok. Um, I want to encourage you also to go to the Apple Podcasts app. Give it the five-star review. This is the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Thank you so much for being our precious listeners, and we'll connect with you on the next episode.